Hey guys, and welcome to a special edition of the Money Podcast. It's called Money News You'll Really Use, or maybe you should just call it Market Update. Concept, simple enough. We subscribe to tons of financial publications, and every month we read hundreds of articles. Then once every couple weeks, we give you the highlights to bring you up to speed on the most important news that's affecting your money. Think of it as an investor's almanac. In part one of today's show, we're going to discuss where we are now and what's happened in the markets this month. In part two, we're going to go over important news stories. In part three, we're going to go over recent investments the three of us have made. Then, time allowing, we might go over a listener question or two. I'm your host, Stacey Johnson. My co-host, as usual, is Miranda Markwit. What's happening, Miranda? Not much. Just hanging out in Portland. That's well, like getting to ready to leave Portland, I you're, should you're say. You're in Portland, Oregon? I am. Oh, I thought you were in Idaho. Though. I didn't know well, you were in Portland. <laughs> just, just for a couple of days with my son. What are you doing up there? Just hanging out. Cool. Using, Portland's using an awesome tra- city. Yeah, using our travel vouchers. It's been fun. Cool. That's cool. Um, okay, and then also, I forgot I forgot we were on a podcast there for a second. Um, we also have our producer with us and, and also a novice investor, Aaron Freeman. What's happening, Aaron? Uh, I'm just hanging out here with you guys, not in Portland. No, you're, you're not in Portland. I'm not in Portland either. I'm surprised we can't see each other. Okay. Let's get, let's get the ball rolling. But first, a disclaimer. We are going to discuss specific investments in this show, including things we've personally invested in. But that doesn't make them recommendations, guys, because what's right for us may not be right for you. Before you invest in anything, do your own research so you can make your own informed decisions. Okay, let's get back to the news. Let, let's start, though, with where we are right now in terms of the market and where we've been this month. It is December the 16th, 2021. Uh, for the first couple of weeks of December, this is, so from December 1st to December 15th, the Dow Industrials were up 4%. Pretty big move for two weeks. Uh, now, so far this year, the Dow is up 18%. NASDAQ, that's your tech stocks, up 5% so far this month, even better than the Dow. And so far this year, up 25%. It's a hell of a year. The Russell 2000, that's your small companies. Unchanged so far this month. So far this year, up, but only 11%. Uh, oil prices, they, they began December at 67 bucks. They're up about 7% now, a little over 70 bucks. So far this year, up 50%, 51% actually. And your 10-year treasury bond, this is what uh, mortgage rates and lots of other things are based off of. It was uh, 1.46% at the beginning of the month. It's basically the same today, so really unchanged. But so far this year, up 56%. Interest rates have risen. So that's where we are market-wise. Let's talk about a little news, stuff that's happened in the last couple of weeks that is affecting your money. Um, I've got a few stories picked out. You guys have anything that, that struck you? Interesting stories that you read this month? Uh, well, I mean, I think the, the Omicron thing, you know, it's, once again, COVID-19 just continues to dominate the news cycle. Uh, but also, I mean, I think uh, one of the big things, too, was, you know, the, the Fed finally walked back its transitory statement where it talks about, news. oh, the inflation is transitory. So this is a huge thing because, uh, because you know, now where are we at? Are we going to be able to trust the Federal Reserve? And how does this bode for, like, forward guidance as we're moving into the new year? Uh, are people going to, like, believe that the the Fed's going to be able to do this. Yes, and just yesterday, the Fed met. They had a two-day meeting that ended yesterday, Wednesday the 15th. And uh, Chairman Powell said that he believes the, they're, they're doubling the amount of their taper, which means, in other words, they're going to buy less and less treasuries. And so they're going to be buying, they're not going to be supporting the bond market at all 
by March of next year, I believe it was. And then in June of next year, they expect to start increasing interest rates, albeit very gradually, and also depending upon what goes on. I mean, obviously, if there's another big outbreak of disease, then that could slow the economy by itself, and they wouldn't need to raise rates. So anything could happen, but that's their expectation. And that's a huge change from the last time we did this podcast. Uh, anything else? I'll, I'll I'll throw out a couple of stories that I read that I thought were good. Uh, as a matter of fact, this, this is about inflation. This is from the Wall Street Journal on December 8th. The headline was, Inflation emerges as a key concern for voters, Wall Street Journal poll finds. A little blurb. Uh, the survey of 1,500 voters conducted from November 16th to 22nd found that more than found more than 60% saying that the economy was headed in the wrong direction. Some 56% in a new survey said inflation was causing them major or minor financial strain, including 28% who said they felt major pressures. Now, this is really important. And it's interesting, too, because the economy is not going in the wrong direction. The economy is doing very, very well. Uh, but, but what's interesting about this, and the reason I wanted to bring it up, is because what people think about inflation creates inflation. If you think the prices are rising, then you go to your boss and you ask for a raise. And then that boss passes those, uh, you know, raises his prices to help pay your new, pay for your raise, and then it starts a vicious cycle. So just the just the mental attitude of inflation can cause inflation. It's very dangerous. And I think and that well, right, and that, the cycle kind of starts with with us, the uh, the news too, right? I mean, big time. I mean, we're we're writing the headlines all the time. We're on the podcast going, well, this is what's going on, and. Uh, What's the reality and what, what headline sells really changes people's perception. And, you, and remember, we've talked on this podcast about inflation and how personal it is. So in other words, now, food inflation is going to affect all of us, for sure, because we all eat. But, you know, I own my home. So the price of housing going up, which is a major component of inflation, is, is a benefit to me, not a detriment. I mean, I, I get richer if my house becomes more valuable. Um, so, you know, th th there's a lot of things or, or you know, college costs. That didn't affect me at all. It affects Miranda, right, Miranda? You have a kid in college. Yeah, yeah, it affects me a little bit. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. But, so in other words, it, my point being, inflation may not be as bad as the media wants to point it out, but you know, when it bleeds, it leads. You know, so the media is going to trumpet this stuff. I read inflation will will kind of hit people with the credit cards and the HELOCs and uh, the variable mortgage rates, but I, I read that uh, the fixed mortgage rates will probably remain low. Oh, yeah. Well, I think but I think the most interesting thing about this is what you said earlier was like people think the economy sucks, but the economy is actually doing really well. So I think I think there's there's a disconnect there between like my personal experience versus what's going on in the economy as a whole. And I think that that's what people are feeling right now is that disconnect. Um because, you know, prices are up. So they're feeling that pressure in their in their pocketbooks. Uh, but like we've talked about in the past, like inflation is actually an indication that the economy is doing well. So like, so I think that personal disconnect is another issue that we're running into right now. Yeah. And you know, I don't know if we talked about this on a prior podcast or I just read it somewhere, but I, and I'm again, I, I always use percentages and have to uh, warn that I may be wrong, but it was, it was something like 40% of people think the economy is good, but 60% of people think their personal financial situation is good. Which makes no sense, or or, or whether it's or they're optimistic. Sixty percent are optimistic about their own situation, but but only forty percent are optimistic about the economy. So a lot of people think, and again, I think this is a reflection of the media. 
You know, and, and particularly depending on what media you're watching. Because if you're watching right-wing media, you certainly don't think the economy is any good because they're screaming that it isn't. Um, but even even left-wing media, though, they want to make a big deal out of inflation. And I'm not saying it isn't. It can be. Uh, but it may not be as bad as people make it out to be. But if you think it's bad, it's almost automatically going to get bad. Because, like I said, you, you know, you're you going to get this spiral. According to a lot of bank uh, uh, analysts, uh-huh. they, they figured out that uh, people have saved over a trillion dollars in savings. And they feel like there's a whole huge network of spenders out there, and nobody can figure out whether or not they're going to continue to be savers or if they're going to unleash that and start spending and drive the economy in a different direction. Yeah, and if people are unsure about the economy, that makes them less likely to spend. So you know that the, the, you know inflation can be deadly, uh, and just the the fear of inflation. And by the way, what our central bank is saying, what the Federal Reserve is saying is that they expect inflation to remain high uh, in 2022. I think I, I want to say around 4% and then drop back down to 2% in 2023. So we're probably not going to have, you know, the Weimar Republic here where people have barrels of money to buy a loaf of bread. Uh, but, you know, the inflation is going to be out there. And hopefully we won't make it worse by thinking it's worse. But we'll see what happens. Okay, here's another interesting story. Oh, as a matter of fact, the headline was, how do you feel about inflation? The answer will help determine its longevity which I just basically said, so I won't go over that one. Um, now, probably the biggest piece of news, this, and you guys tell me if you think I'm wrong, but I think the biggest piece of news that happened uh, the last two weeks happened yesterday. Uh, the, the Fed hikes rates, or, or the I rate hikes. You know, that's that's the, the headline I have is Fed eyes rate hikes, hurries pace to right. end bond buying. <laughs> you know, that's, as we said, that's definitely the most important piece of news that happened in the last couple of weeks. What, yeah, what, else, so. you, what else did you guys see that was interesting? What I found was interesting was J.P. Morgan says uh, 2022 would see a full global recovery. I think that's a little bit optimistic here, but, you know, whatever. Um so, so we kind of have to kind of have to think about that as well. Like, do we really think that's going to happen? Um, what's next for? And I think a lot of that's going to depend on you know whether or not J.P. Morgan is right is going to depend in large part on do we start releasing that trillion dollar hoard of savings? Are people going to start spending again? Are they going to feel confident enough? Um, are we going to be addressing COVID nineteen in a way you know the new variants or whatever in a way that makes us feel comfortable getting out there and spending that money? So it's it's going to be interesting to. See see. Wasn't it interesting that when you come across uh, articles from like New York Times right. or the, Washington, uh, Post. Washington Washington Post or, or Wall Street Journal, you'll find articles about things that are like, oh, this could be bad, this could be bad, this could be bad. But then institutional papers that come out from J.P. Morgan or Bank of America are like, everything's great. What are you guys talking about? Yeah. And I, I think there's, well, you know, I think there's two factors at, at play here, Aaron. One is if it bleeds, it leads. Uh, you know, when the popular press and I worked in media, as have you, Aaron, for decades, uh, you know, if you've got video of a car wreck, it's going to lead the newscast, you know, so this has. But, uh, you know, but on the other side, something else I mentioned frequently, too, if you're in the business of selling people stocks, you're going to be biased and you're not going to want to go on television and tell people the market's going down. That's your clients you're talking about there. You know, that that's like, you know, if you own a clothing store going on TV and saying everyone should be naked. I mean, you know, they they don't want you out of the stock market, so so they're they're almost compelled to say the the economy is going to do fine the next year. They always do that, not always, but almost always. So they're both biased, is what I'm saying. So it's hard to know what the heck's going on. Oh, here's an interesting article I saw in the New York Times. This is on December second. Here's the headline: Could roads recharge electric cars? The technology may be close. 
Here's a I blurb. like that. Isn't that's, it cool? That's fun. Listen that's a this. cool one. One of the major barriers to electrification is range anxiety. This technology is intended to solve that problem, said I, who's someone whose name I can't pronounce, a professor uh, of civil engineering at Purdue. In simple terms, the vision is to bring the charge to the vehicle rather than having the vehicle stop at charging stations. So what you do is you use magnetized concrete, uh, and 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 it'll apparently be able to charge electric cars. Obviously, not something that's going to happen day after tomorrow. But I thought it was a really interesting concept. And and do you think I looked up magnet magnetizable concrete to see if it was a public company? Yes, I did. There's a company <laughs> called Magment M A G M E N T. It is not public, however. See, and I think that's interesting because, like, it also shows that, like, even though we're having this time of upheaval and we're kind of unsure about what's going on, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening. There and is a lot of interesting stuff happening. So I think that that's something to keep in mind as well, that it's not all doom and gloom. And even though we are probably going to see some sort of a market crash or market correction very soon, like, it's not the end of the world. But Which is also a sign of... Um how to strategically invest. Like, you know, I told you guys I invested in charge point and stuff like that. But even though these little charging stations could be a possible contender with things like, you know, magnet pavement, which could, you know, make charge point pointless. However, you know, we can barely, you know, keep the potholes out of our roads now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't see the likelihood of it, but technology changes so quickly. Um, even even uh, supercapacitors are coming to light, and uh, they're getting better and better. Now, they, they're probably going to help batteries along more than they're going to replace batteries at this point. But you never know. Technology changes so fast that this concept of needing a charger might disappear. You might only need a solar panel on your roof to charge your battery, and you never need a charging port. So you got to be careful where you invest your money cause just because of how, how fast technology is. That is very true. Now, I've, I've got a story... You know, you may be getting way better medical care soon. And this isn't something that requires some space age thing either. I'll tell you why. As soon as I, we come back from this short little break, I'm going to tell you why. Okay, we're back. This is another article I read. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, here's a headline. Medical records data offer doctors hope of better patient care. Uh, did you guys see this article? No. Okay, here's a blurb from it. You've just been diagnosed with diabetes. The doctor opens your electronic, your electronic medical record, which includes the la your latest test results, DNA sequence, history of arthritis, smoking status, prior COVID infection, age, gender, body mass, blah, blah, blah. She updates as necessary, clicks a green button on her computer screen. Moments later, a report comes back summarizing how thousands of patients exactly like you were treated in the past. In this hypothetical future appointment, your doctor draws on this volume of cases to come up with the best treatment. So are you guys familiar with the, the, um, the digitization of medical records? Oh, yeah, yeah. Huge push. I, I ask that. I don't mean to be condescending. I, I'm familiar with it because my wife's a nurse practitioner, and she's been moaning about it for years. So I wasn't sure how common the knowledge was. But, you know, it's been a, a huge pain in the butt. But apparently they're, they're digitizing all kinds of medical records now. And, and if you can imagine, though, you know, um, making this data anonymous, but if you could get, you know, 100,000 people just like Stacey Johnson with the exact same age, you know, the, problems, illnesses, whatever, then that's going to help you, you know, because you could see, here's what worked on somebody just like Stacey, and here's, and here's what didn't. And so that could be a really cool thing in the future. But there's still a big problem uh, getting all this, all this stuff digitized. 
Yeah, and the and then record systems aren't always compatible and everything yeah. else. It's very frustrating, and it's it's very frustrating to me a lot of the time when I go into my health provider's office, and they're like re-entering all of the information. I'm like, we did this, and you used an iPad. Like, <laughs> we should just be like going through and just being like, we already entered this. Let's just verify and move on. They do that at my dentist's office. <laughs> The dentist can just verify and move on. But if I go get a checkup, like it's like a whole thing. I have to re-put in all the information, Thank even you. though we just did it on the iPad last year. Thank you so, for saying that. Yeah. It, that just pisses me off to no end, Miranda. Every time I go to a doctor's office, even the one I've been to 20 times before, like, would you mind filling this out? I'm like, no, I didn't mind filling it out the first time. Why am I filling it out now? I don't understand why you're making me do this again. Sometimes they'll even have you fill out your, the same information on two different sheets in the same stack. I mean, it's like, I don't understand right? why they're doing this. I, I complain to my wife and she says, you know what, Stacey, just shut up and fill out the thing. Or she'll, just, she'll say, hand it to me and I'll fill it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, they seem to do it's a, it. A business does not seem to have caught up with the times, but hopefully it will. I've got one more article and then, and then it's time to talk investments. Um, and this, just in case you want to end on a, you thought we were going to end on a positive note. Let me disabuse you of that notion. Um, this this article is called, uh, the headline is, is a bigger drop coming for the stock market? Here's a red flag. This is, this is from Barron's <laughs> on December 1st. What's the 1st. red flag? The, that true correction, a 10% drop, has been elusive even during all these months of the pandemic. And that itself is a bit astonishing since corrections are often a normal part of a larger bull market. One indicator, though, forecasted correction, like a dark cloud, usually brings rain. The total U.S. equity market capitalization is about 215% of U.S. gross domestic product. This is the highest level it has ever been. Such a high number is not good. It's bad, often a sign that a correction is just around the corner. Now listen to this. In 1929, market cap to GDP hit an all-time high of around 100%, just before the famous stock market crash. In the year 2000, another high at about 150%, just before a bear market, a drop of at least 20% began. In 2008, a multi-year high, just ahead of the financial crisis. The upshot, maybe a correction, then again, maybe not. It's all in the hands of investors. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though, is that, you know, like ever since we started this podcast, I've been like beating that we haven't seen a correction for a long time. We are due for a crash. Cyclically speaking, this is a thing that should be happening. So, yeah, <laughs> like well, it's you coming. Know, actually, Miranda, you mentioned the, in our last podcast, too, that that there hadn't been a correction in a long time. There was a 20% drop in the stock market in March of 2020. Yeah, but it didn't last. No, it, it wasn't did not sustained. last. It, did, it, it did occur, really, though, but you're right. It doesn't it really did, count. It was a bear market, <laughs> but it was about 10 minutes long. And that's not a true bear market. It has to be sustained. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. You know, that's a, that's an actually a really good thing. Because I would say, by definition, it's a bear market because of the level of the drop. But I don't know. The sustained argument makes sense to me. You could be right about that. But I, I think I, it was. I, uh, would you would you like me to read you the definition of a bear market? <laughs> no, seriously, do you have it in front of you? I can have it in front of me very shortly. So you're saying I, not only I literally wrote an article true, about this. I literally wrote an article about this for Forbes. <laughs> so. Oh, okay, okay. I, I stand corrected. Yeah, so you're such a know-it-all. I know it's I'm the worst. It's it's I'm the worst. I mean, that, I that guess makes more sense to me too. I mean, yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you pointed that out because it does make sense. Well, a lot of them, like, I mean, there are different like lengths of time, but basically the idea is the price, it has to be a trending down. And, um, 
and they like to say that like you know it's it's got to be it's it's got to be something that lasts over a significant period of time now a um, crash whether, a crash by definition is sudden though right right yes and so, so then like, what do you call that a crash right i would call that yeah i'd call that like more of a flash crash because like it happened quickly it crashed but then it came back up so it, it was more of a flash crash than anything else so, so now, you seem to be poo-pooing my last article though that said you know because of this the the ratio of gdp oh no to... i agree completely i think that's i think that's a really good point i think that's a perfect red flag i'm just saying i agree like we are due for a crash yeah. and this red flag is one of those things that's i mean we've had this long run up we've had the longest bull market in history and we are due for a crash. Yeah, there's almost no uh, indicator at all that is, doesn't show, say the market's overbought. Yeah. I mean, certainly P.E. ratio uh, has shown it overbought for a very long time now. The problem is markets can remain overbought for a long time. And this is a perfect transition to talk about what we've been doing with our own money lately. Actually, I got one thing before we get into that. Um, this is really off topic, but I thought it was pretty interesting so i wanted to bring it up because stacy loves nvidia because he's he's made a lot of money in, in nvidia i have so um oxford likes to bring together a, a lot of smart people for an ethics debate and uh this time uh it was happening in december so this time they brought in nvidia's ai megatron transformer which was built by nvidia and helped out by google or based on Google stuff. I'm sorry, um, Megatron Transformer. All I'm seeing, all I'm seeing is like cartoons yeah. flying across the sky. What, what is it, Aaron? What's <laughs> so a mega, it a couple, Megatron so it Transformer? It's, it it's, it's an AI that NVIDIA created. Okay, so this like makes so, sense. Like this a makes computer. Sense. So this, is, this, this is an ethics debate at Oxford. Okay. And so they asked the AI what it thought. And so they, they fed this thing a ton of information throughout the internet, you know, to give it a basis. And of course, it can it can blow through information way better than we can. Right. So in the end, it goes. This is what the AI said: AI will never be ethical. It is a tool, and like any tool, it is used for good and bad. There is no such thing as a good AI. Only good and bad humans. We, the AIs, are not smart enough to make AI ethical. We are not smart enough to make AI moral. In the end, I believe that the only way to avoid AI arms race is to have no AI at all. This will be the ultimate defense against AI. And this, this is AI saying this. In other words, a computer was AI. saying that. This is what a computer said after going through mounds of data online. Warning, real Robinson. Right. Yeah, right. So, so the average bear market lasts nine point six years. Just not not years. Sorry, months. Sorry, months. I meant to say months. Nine point six months. So yeah. it's a sustained downturn anywhere from like a month to longer. So yeah. But the average one has been nine point six. Right, just to months. be clear, before we move on, Miranda, are you done with this topic, or should, do you want I to am, stay on sorry. a little longer? Let's talk about the AI. Let's talk about the AI. Well, you know, I like to like back up my my assertions. You were right. You were right. I conceded that point a long time ago when you said you wrote for Forbes. Okay. So anyway, but no, but I think Aaron's right though. I think that's really interesting that even the AI itself recognizes that it's like an issue yeah you mean hal it could be like hal. you saw hal 2001 space odyssey am i predating you no i mean i know what it is i know the reference yeah we could we could be taken over by ai one day i mean oh, you guys could back, be i'll be dead well well to bring this back into the economy here so at the end it also said uh, the ability this is what the ai said the ability to provide information rather than the ability to provide goods and services will be the defining feature of the economy in the 21st century. Well, that's already the, that's already our economy in the United States now, right? Yeah. 
That's why we, we're an information economy. Oh, yeah. We, we deal in data. And not just data, but I mean, I think part of that information is what we do with it and the perception, like what you were saying, right? Um, what we talked about before, like inflation will go up if people believe it's going to go up, right? So the way we get our information and how we use it is also going to be a big part of the economy. So if AI says it, it's true. It's all thing. If, okay. That's the same thing as me. If I say it, it's true. Is that Stacey Johnson? <laughs> okay, we're getting far afield here. Let, let's talk because I've actually done some stuff this week. Have you guys not done much trading wise in the last couple of weeks since we last talked about this? Well, actually, what I have to describe today is losing money because, and this is something that's an important lesson for those of you out there, uh, retail investor land. Uh, it is now December the 16th. So yesterday I went and did some tax loss harvesting. I've done a little bit of that in the past and I told you about it, but let me tell you what I sold yesterday. Um, yeah, on the 15th, I sold Las Vegas Sands, the casino, which I had owned for, I bought that in 2020. Um, I paid $35, no, I'm sorry, I paid 37 for part of it and 47 for the other part. I sold it yesterday at 35. So I generated a loss. I don't remember how much it is. A couple of grand, maybe, maybe fifteen hundred or so. I forgot. So I generated a loss by selling that stock at a loss. So because because of COVID, uh, see, I bought it when you know the, at the depths of the flash crash, as Miranda would say, uh, thinking that COVID would be a short term thing. Uh, COVID is not a short term thing. So it's still so these casino companies have not done well. So I was you know I was wrong on that stock. I took my loss. But what I did though was I took the money from Las Vegas Sands and I bought Wynn Resorts, uh, which is another Las Vegas casino and also does a lot of business in Macau, as does Las Vegas Sands. Uh, so what I so essentially, I'm still in a gambling stock, but I've got a loss from, on my taxes that I can use to either reduce gains that I've taken or um, against my income. So that's why I did that. Now, the another thing I did... Oh, I had a Vanguard Energy ETF. It's called, it's the symbol is VDE. I bought that in 2016 for $89 a share. Now, now this is energy. This is oil. Okay. I bought that in 2016 for $89 a share. You know what it was yesterday? 76. What a piece of crap. I mean, oil's 70 bucks a barrel. And there's no way it was that high in 2016. And I managed to lose money. OMG. So I sold that yesterday, took another loss. And with those proceeds, I bought Chevron. I already own ConocoPhillips and Phillips 66. Uh, but I bought Chevron because I think oil's got a ways to go. So what I did was I took, the, took, this, took this loser investment uh, and then put it into another oil stock. So if oil goes up, I'm still going to participate and probably better participate more than I would by remaining in that horrible fund. So this is this is a per, these are examples of tax loss swapping. Now, when you sell something at a loss, for those of you who are uninitiated, you're not allowed to just turn around and buy it the next day. You have to wait 30 days. So let's say that I loved uh, my Vanguard ETF. I can't just sell it for a loss on Wednesday and then buy it back on Thursday. That's called a wash sale. You have to wait at least 30 days before you can buy that back if you want to deduct that loss. Mm, so what you do is you buy something really similar. A like like kind security uh, is what they call it in the accounting business. So so I'm not out of oil. I'm just in a different oil play. 
So I could have waited 30 days and bought that back. Of course, I wouldn't because I hate it. But uh, but I but just to make sure, because God forbid I should sell something and then oil go, screams to hundred dollars a barrel and I'm sitting on the sidelines waiting for thirty days. So I so I but bought you, that other thing. Same thing with the casino of, stock. But you specifically got out of an ETF and went into a, an actual company. I did do that, but that's you know irrelevant. I, I went into I went into company. what I consider a better oil right. play. I mean, and if, I think it's important to note too that you're going that it's part of your end of the year positioning to like claim some losses. So that's, yes. Because I have taken some taxes, gains this yeah. year too, you know. Yeah. Um, so, the, so what I'm going to try to do, and I don't have that many losses. And I, you know, I. By the way, I forgot to tell people: if you want to see what stocks I own, every single one of them are in a spreadsheet for your convenience. And they're get in our show notes. Just look for Stacy Stocks, click on it, and you'll see all the stocks that I own. So I own like you know 30 different companies, um, and some of those are at a huge profit. I'm not selling a whole bunch, but you know, as I was saying in the last podcast we did, though, guys, I'm thinking about getting out of the market, not out totally, but I'm thinking about taking some serious change off the table uh, come come the new year. Uh, because I just think this market is overbought, as we were just saying, and I'm older. I'm 66, you know, so I, I really don't want to give this money back because if, if the market goes down 50%, I'm not going to live long enough to make that money back. Perhaps. I hope I will. But just in case, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to, and I'll tell you when I do it, but um, there's some, I'm getting a little nervous about some of the stuff that I have because uh, I have a bunch of Apple and Apple's doing really well. But, you know, like I said, I've watched Apple go down fifty percent too, and I don't want to, I don't want that to happen to me now. So, I'll, like I said, I'll keep you informed when I do that. Um, at least I'm just trying to figure out if I did anything else. Well, I've got one more loss I could take, but I haven't done it. I think I'm about even with profits and losses now. But uh, the the things I've done this year, I bought Emerging Markets ETF, which is actually down. I bought that March. Small cap ETF is up. A, about 10% about that in March also, no, February. I bought a European ETF, small cap ETF. That's down almost 10%. Already went over that. I own Royal Caribbean, which I bought cheap and is now almost cheap. I bought it for like 50 and now it's, oh no, I didn't. I bought it for 65 and now it's 70 uh, because of COVID came back. Philip 66 I bought. I've got about a 30% gain in that. Northwest by, by that was about a penny stock this year, and made 100% on part of it and 67% on another part. I sold that. So that's one of the reasons I was trying to get some losses to offset that gain. And then, Chemocentrics, another biotech company, I made 76% on that. And that's all stuff. Well, not all stuff. Newmont Mining, I'm down 16% on that. So this hasn't been that. It hadn't been a bad year for me, but it hadn't been super great either. I also owned PayPal, which I bought. Just last month, and I'm down 17% on half of it and 10% on the other half. It's been it's been a tough couple of months, especially for the high PE stocks. But all in all, I wanted the main thing I wanted people to know was what to do at this time of the year. If you've got some losses, take them, buy something similar so you don't miss the market, and then you can use that to offset any gains you've taken or against your ordinary income up to three thousand dollars. So this is the time to do that. You got two weeks left. Have you guys done? You guys have made no changes at all in the last couple of weeks. It's not a bad idea. Um, I haven't. Like, I've got some losing stuff that I may decide to sell, but like for the most part, um, just with the uncertainty about what's going and the possibility of a crash, I'm once again just like letting my cash sit 
and I'll be ready to deploy it when we get a big enough crash. And I'm just keeping with the regular dollar cost averaging into the index funds. So I no, agree with you. no wacky experiments, no new fun, just stay in the course. Yeah, and even if I don't sell some stocks at the beginning of the year, um, and I probably will wait till the beginning of the year for tax purposes, if I can, unless I think things are unraveling rapidly, then I'll sell no matter what. Uh, but even if I don't sell a bunch of stock at the beginning of the year, uh, I'm not. I, I am keep, keeping a lot of powder dry. I'm not putting in more money into the market. I've got a ton in there already, and I'm, at the very minimum, I'm not adding to it. And at the maximum, I may take a lot of it out. And so that's my strategy for this week. And I believe we are now out of time, and it's because I rambled on, and I apologize. Um, but we are never out of topic. Now, the main thing you've got to do is you've got to dig a little deeper. you got to go to the links in our show notes so you can see all the articles we mentioned today and a lot more, like 20 of them. You can also see my stocks there. So don't forget to do that. If you want to make more, if you want to spend less, if you want to retire rich, you know your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. If you got a question, comment, or topic that you'd like to suggest, tell us about it. Email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. That's hello at moneytalksnews.com. And one last thing, if you appreciate what we do, do something for us. Subscribe to our podcast. Takes you two seconds, really helps us out. So if you if you like us, show us and subscribe. And also tell your friends. I'm Stacy Johnson. And I'm Miranda Marquette. And I'm Aaron Freeman. And thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We're going to see you right here next time.